Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Technology gives children the ability to connect with people all over the world. Susan Kreitz Price's book, Generous Genes, Raising Caring Kids in a Digital Age, helps parents encourage their children to use technology as a tool to be generous and kind. Susan, you're an expert on family philanthropy. What exactly does family philanthropy mean to you? I think it means when parents have an opportunity to really encourage kids from the very beginning um, that, that they're going to be givers and servers, that they're going to share, and, um, and, it's, and it's something we're going to do as a family. It's one of our values. And so, you know, it doesn't mean just people who are rich like the Rockefellers. It means all of us who have um, a real commitment to wanting to make the world a better place. And is it enough then as a parent to just kind of do what you do and hope that they notice, or do you have to be more intentional than that? Well, I really think we do need to be more intentional because it's, um, it's often the case that we miss a lot of really great opportunities to show our kids what, what the rest of the world might um, benefit from if we put our, our minds to it. And, um, and really, there's not just the, the giving of um, our time and our treasure, but there's also the, the feeling that kids get from being generous, and that's real joy. And, you know, sometimes... The payback is what really keeps kids in particular interested in finding places to volunteer, finding things to um, embrace as, as their causes. So at what age can we begin helping them to figure out what that might be, what might bring them joy? Well, um, I, I think it's really important we start when they're very young. I mean, some people say, you know, the first time they say the word mine, that's a good place to start. Um, but you probably want to, you know, maybe do it a little, long, uh, little older, maybe when they're toddlers, and they're starting to see that they can help you in the family. Helping mom and dad is part of the value. Um, and then it can be some subtle things, you know, like just reading stories to them that have a, a, a giving theme. Um, you know, the rainbow fish, um, the, the old Aesop's fable about the lion and the mouse, where, you know, the mouse ends up helping the lion. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those kinds of messages. And then talking to kids about what you're doing. You know, if you're going off to volunteer, explain to them what, what it's about. So some of this is, you know, just trying to be really thoughtful. And I also think it's really important that families volunteer together. So how did this play out in your own family? You have a daughter who is an adult now, and you have a, a grandchild, but um, can you kind of look back on your life as a parent uh, when she was still in the house and how that would have played out in your own family? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, we grew up, we're, our daughter was raised in the city. We live in Washington, D.C., and we... Um, Hopefully started when she was young because, for one thing, we were in a church. She was in Girl Scouts. Uh, she was involved in um, activities at school. So there were lots of places, touch points, where she had opportunities to find volunteering. And we did some volunteering first as a family. But then, you know, as kids get older, they want to do volunteering together. And we're finding, particularly in schools, more kids are getting exposed to the idea of um, um, serving um, because some of them even require it, you know, the mm-hmm. community service hours. So it starts in the family when they're very young. We read lots of books. We talked about giving. But then later, the volunteering is when it really becomes kind of more real for kids. 
Okay, so it's a moment of truth for me. I totally agree with what you're saying, and I thought it would be a great idea when my now 13-year-old daughter was about maybe six or seven. And so I took her and her little brother to, um, like, uh, there, there was a big event at our arena, and some people were donating food, and others were sorting food, and others were donating clothing, and others were sorting the clothing. And so our job that we, that we, I signed them up for was just basically to sort the clothing and to kind of fold it and things like that. And, and um, then there were people who would come and, and get that clothing and get the food, but we didn't actually see those people. They were somewhere else in the arena. So we go home and I bet you know where this is going, Susan. <laughs> I ask my children, how did you like that? Wasn't that great? And I, of course, was so filled up because my sweet children and I got to do something together and it was wonderful. And my daughter said, Mom, it felt, it felt just like the chores we have to do at home. And yeah. it wasn't very much fun. And I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Actually, that was a very good tactic, Nicole, because one of the things we always say when you do volunteering is prepare the kids ahead of time for what they're going to do, and then when they get home, process it. You know, find out what they liked, what they didn't like, whether they'd like to do it again. But I don't think you did anything wrong. I think um, it's often challenging to find something that kids really will like to do, and, you know, there has to be at least a little element of fun in this or they're not going to want to do it again. Um, but, you know, some of it's just sort of thinking about what your kids really like. I mean, maybe if it's they like getting out in the park, then, you know, you can do park cleanup. If they like playing with other children, then you could maybe do something with um, a shelter where kids are combined together and play in the playground and so forth while the parents are stocking the food pantry. I mean, there are those kinds of things that help you find some things that the kids will like. And sometimes, you know, you volunteer because it's good for them. And they may not enjoy every experience. They need to try and, and see what they like. One kid will like it and another kid won't. But, you know, we make our kids brush their teeth because it's good for them. And I think it's good that we as a family get out and volunteer together. And so I think the fact that they didn't fall in love with that was good learning experience. And then you find some more things and maybe get their input. By the time they're seven and nine, they can give you some ideas for things that they maybe find interesting if you give them some choices. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like um, giving them vegetables again and again and trying new things. And, you know, oh, good point. something will stick at one point. You have this uh, a great book called Generous Genes, Raising Caring Kids in a Digital Age. And I'm looking right now at Chapter 5, Pick a Cause, Any Cause. Now, this one spoke to me because kind of what we're talking about right now. You say uh, in this book that your inborn guilt has kept you in volunteer jobs way past the time when you should have pulled the plug because you knew that your heart wasn't in it, but you just kept doing it because it's a duty. It's an obligation. Maybe a friend asked you to do it and you feel, oh, I better do that because you know someday I'm going to want them to help me with something. So mm-hmm. making it a delight and not a duty for our kids um, I'm wondering if you can give me real, some specific tips for for recognizing and pointing out um, what they might be able to contribute. Right. Well, I think the, the key to all of this is to help our kids find their passions. So, um, for example, if your child loves animals, 
it's a good bet that you can find something that relates to animals that they can contribute to. And so that might mean, you know, a visit to the animal shelter to see what they need. They might have a wish list, a lot of them do even online, of things that they need and kids can then collect, you know, cans of dog food at their next birthday party or, or collect blankets and towels. They often need those. Um, but there are all kinds of other animal-related um, opportunities online. And in the book, I, I list just tons of places for people to go to find things that kids would really love to do. Um, I also talk about how it's important to find, as they get older in particular, some ideas for things they can do because of their talents. You know, we're talking about sharing time, talent, and treasure. And, um, you know, a child who's really good at singing could come along with a few friends and, and do, you know, carol singing at a nursing home. Or they can, um, the ones who are really good at computers, and a lot of them are geniuses at 13, um, they can go to your senior citizen center and teach grandparents how to um, how to do online um, connecting with their grandchildren, how to use computers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a million things to do, and sometimes that makes it even harder. You have trouble finding <laughs> exactly what the passion is for the child, but kids will lead you to those conclusions. And so it's one of the reasons why I talked about in the book um, being a generosity coach, mm-hmm. particularly as they're getting older, because by the time they're, you know, into elementary school and middle school, they're, they're going to want to volunteer with their friends, not so much with the family. But um, if it's the idea that if you're a soccer coach, for example, you're teaching kids the fundamentals, and then you put them out on the field and you let them execute. And then you're standing at the sidelines, you know, shouting some encouragement and sometimes, you know, coaching, but really letting them take the lead and and giving them the opportunity to find their way. And I know because of what you just described, I did that too. I'd say, wow, here's a great charity. Let's all go help. And then we'd all go do it. And, you know, that was my idea of a great charity, mm-hmm. not my kiddo's idea. So the you have seven keys to generosity coaching in your book. And the first is start young. The second is be a role model. The third is to help them find their passion. And uh, the fourth, I want to pause at for a moment, it's support their use of the Internet. And you say that it's a great tool for, for philanthropy, but not as a substitute for giving of themselves up close and personal. Why is it important that they continue, that they, 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 they don't just do something that they can do online? Well, I think it's important that kids develop empathy, and they'll, they'll only do that if they've really got a sense of real people and their real needs. Um, but that said, the reason why this book is about raising kids in a digital age is that they're already online. I mean, <laughs> the numbers stagger me in terms of how many kids are actually using cell phones and um, connecting to the world. I mean, it's why we're now calling it not the three T's, but the four T's, time, talent, treasure, and ties. Because kids are now connected to a lot of other people, so if they want to have... Um, if they want to raise money for their favorite cause, they're doing crowdsourcing. They're doing, you know, a million things online that can be really useful tools for their philanthropy, and we as parents might not even know about it. Now, Mm -hmm. that said, um, they're great tools that they're using that will connect them with projects and, and further their philanthropy. But it's still, I think it's still really important that they also get out and and do real world things. And one of I saw one study that was interesting because it it showed that kids who are very at spend more time online are also more likely to be spending time as volunteers like not online. So, you know, I, it's 
Really? It's just kids who are engaged, I think, are more likely to be doing a lot of different things, and we can help them find those things. Well, as a um, mom who can visualize her children sitting on the couch with an iPad, just doing their own thing in their own zone, it's shocking right. to me to think that those are the same kids that seek out volunteer opportunities. Is that what you're saying? Well, the, it was a study by DoSomething.org, which is a site that I really recommend for people, especially with, with tweens and teens, because it has lots of great ideas for projects. And you go online and you find projects that don't need money or cars or, you know, I mean, these are things kids can do, no matter what their passion. And then it really um, um, forces them to then go out to execute this project by, you know, working in the real world. And the thing that they said in their study was that, that they found that kids who um, texted and emailed frequently, and I guess more texting now and, and uh, going on social media, but those kids who spent you know, more hours doing that were also inclined to do more volunteering. And it may be that the kids who aren't very social, especially online, are just not as comfortable you know, going out into the world either. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. In 2003, you wrote a book... Uh, the Giving Family, Raising Our Children to Help Others. Did you feel as you were writing Generous Genes that this book needed to be written because the world has changed so much? Absolutely. I mean, the, the same principles apply, you know, starting young and giving them, you know, helping them find their passions and so forth. But the big difference is that kids have um, completely changed the way they're practicing generosity um, just in the past decade because of social media. And I think, um, well, let me explain that when I was growing up, and I'm a baby boomer, um, in a small town in Ohio, I kind of knew what the needs in my local community were. My parents made sure of that. But, but I only knew my local town. My daughter's a millennial, and she is of the generation that grew up with the internet. So they were the digital pioneers, and they learned about problems all over the world. I was hearing from my daughter about, you know, her concern about famine in Africa. Now we come to Generation Z, the next generation after the millennials, and those are still today's kids. And they are growing up with not only the knowledge of the local community and the world community, but they have the tools to do something about it. And so we see kids even doing micro-lending in in, in international countries where um, they're crowdsourcing with projects that um, engage people in all kinds of ways. Here's a good example. If if you want to have um, raise some money and and you were a young person, you might have had a lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. And kids today still have lemonade stands, but today's kids go to the internet and they'll look, first Google how to have a lemonade stand, <laughs> and they'll get <laughs> do this. It's fascinating, and they'll get recipes and marketing tips and templates or signs they can download and tips on where to have the, have the stand. So they've already used their tools. And then they put out a message on their social media saying, hey, we're having the lemonade stand on this date and everybody come. And this is the cause I'm supporting. And in fact, they might even link up with one of the national organizations that do this kind of thing, like Alex's Lemonade, which is for pediatric cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And there, then, they're connecting their social media contacts with an organization that they care about and that people can send their money directly to. I mean, really, they don't even need to have a lemonade stand. It can be virtual because Mm -hmm. they can create a page there. There's a million examples of that. Uh, The the Great American Bake Sale that that supports 
uh, No Kids Hungry. They have all kinds of clever tools that engage kids. They can still bake the baked goods and they can still sell them, but they are pooling their money with lots of other people who are also engaged in trying to help hungry kids. Mm -hmm. And it keeps... It's a, just a different way of doing it than having your one little lemonade stand and benefiting, you know, one little local group that you knew about. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I struggle a little bit with um, trying to teach my kids to give their own money. Like, they, they're very happy to give away my money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your kids are so typical. I want you to know okay, that. Good. Not I, to worry. I say <laughs> these things and I wonder, where did I go wrong? Like, no, no, I hear this all the time. <laughs> okay, so, you know, if they, if they struggle with, with giving away their own money, it almost seems to me that uh, part of the game would be to, to do something they like to do to raise money so that they are indeed giving away money, but, you know, they're giving away someone else's money along with their own. But mm-hmm. um, I think my question in that whole thing is, is, is there a way to ease them into the not just raising mon- someone else's money to give away, mm-hmm. but to be mm-hmm. able to part with their own Right, and that's one of those earlier lessons back when they're still young. I do think it's really helpful for kids to have an allowance. I think it's a way that they learn how to manage money. And then you can say, you know, we really hope that you're going to, you know, give some of this for charity and save some and, you know, spend some for yourself. And there are a lot of ways that parents approach that, but just having that tool is good. <clears throat> Whether or not you force them to save a certain percentage to give away, you know, that's kind of up to you. But I think it does go back to what, what do they care about. And um, I think with, with the um, charitable contributions, one way you can encourage them, you know, and maybe you don't force them. Maybe they just say, you know, I'm willing to volunteer. I don't really want to give up my money. Some kids are like that, and that's okay. You meet them where they are, but you just keep encouraging the giving, not necessarily, you know, forcing them to give out their, you know, some of their change. But, you know, you can do other things like, match their contributions so that they realize you really value this. So if I give $3 of my allowance, mom's going to kick in three more, and then I can, I can have a real mm-hmm. impact. And then helping them find those things that they really care about, and they're going to be a lot more motivated to give money to. Um, you know, we talked about the animal shelters. There are kids out there who are raising money for things like bulletproof vests for the canine um, dogs at the, you know, in, the, in the police departments, or these little masks that um, provide oxygen to um, animals when firefighters go to a home and there's an animal trapped. And some of those things are really being driven by children who care about animals and who want to find new ways to protect them. That's the kind of thing you find on the Internet, because those are not necessarily things you know from your own experience, but they're all related to what kids might care about, which is, in this case, animals. And I think that's one way you can get them to think about giving both their time and their treasure. Awesome. Susan, before I let you go, are there any favorite kindness stories that you have from your life or maybe when you saw kindness click in with your own child? Oh, you know, one that does stand out for me was um, our daughter had, and this was in high school, she had volunteered with some friends for this program called Keen. It, I think it is nationwide, but they they provide um, opportunities for parents with children who are quite disabled to be able to go to gymnasiums and play, you know, have physical activity, and it also gives the parents a break. And she went off and did this, 
And when she came back, you know, she described it all. And as a parent, I thought, oh, this is so hard. I would have, it would have just been so hard for me to, you know, I'd have been so brokenhearted about these mm-hmm. poor kids. I, I wouldn't have been able to get past it. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, you know, how'd you feel about it? And she said, well, it was great. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> well, she said it was really fun. It was so fun to help these kids have fun. Oh. And, and she didn't have all those, all that baggage that parents have about, you know, are we, yeah. you know what I mean. It, it, parents worry a lot about whether or not to take kids to homeless shelters, um, yeah. you know, those kinds of difficult experiences. And sometimes our kids are way ahead of us in terms of being comfortable and genuine and giving. Mm-hmm. So true. We have a lot to learn from them. I learned a lot from you, Susan. Thank you so much for talking with Thank me you, today. Thank you, Nicole. Really enjoyed it. That was Susan Kreitz-Price, author of Generous Genes, Raising Caring Kids in a Digital Age. You can connect with Susan at generousgenes.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Madeline Peck. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or the NPR One app. And find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, we'd love it if you'd spread some kindness in the review section. 